Please remember that information and advice provided on this podcast is based off my personal experiences as a young girl with ADHD. Although I do analyse, mention and cite valid peer-reviewed sources, my podcast is not a replacement for professional medical advice. If you have concerns or questions regarding your own amazing brain and mental health, please talk to a medical provider. say anything else I'd like to say a huge thank you to Trent for being an amazing guest and editor my friends uh, Sam and Cairo also being amazing guests on my ADHD and online learning mini series and of course my parents for their ongoing encouragement and support and I also want to say a huge huge thank you to all the listeners that I have because I'm so 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 famous I'm just that popular that I have to thank my fans. The Lucy Pod officially launched on Thursday, April 10th, and you can now listen uh, to The Lucy Pod on Spotify, RSS.com, Apple Podcasts, uh, and Google Podcasts. And you can access those via my links on Instagram or on my website, just at The Lucy Pod. Uh, So please follow me on all those platforms and also show me some love on Instagram and Facebook, which is, again, the Lucy pod. I'm really, really excited that I get to do this. So again, thank you. A little life update. There are some exciting things happening with me and the ADHD foundation. I can't reveal too much yet, but what I will say is that if you do ever need some advice or support about, you know, dealing with ADHD because your ADHD or someone in your family has it. The ADHD Foundation Australia is absolutely amazing. It's a phenomenal organization that's there to help you. And if you want to hear my voice, you can always ring their helpline, which is 1300 393919. Uh, that's the only little secret I'm going to give you is that they use my voice for their helpline. Uh, but enough about that. Let's talk about today's topic. Today, I would like to discuss ADHD in girls and how girls are forgotten when it comes to recognising that girls have ADHD and diagnosis. Uh, To put it frankly, why can't society just accept that some girls are going to be ADHD? People treat it as this foreign concept and you see the exact same thing when it comes to girls with autism. It's unfathomable that women and girls could stray from the norm. And I, I want to ask people listening, why is it that when discussing boys with autism, it's, oh, he's just awkward, he's a genius, he's a savant, little Sheldon Cooper, but when it's a girl, it's always, she's so weird, psycho and abnormal when clearly she's just autistic. And this is the same for girls and ADHD. ADHD boys are allowed to be, and just boys in general, are allowed to be boisterous, loud, energetic, and active boys are met with such praise. They're told, oh, you're so sporty and energetic, you're going to be amazing in sport because you'll get to work off all that testosterone. But when it's a girl who's exhibiting those traits and 
behaving differently, it's she's bossy, naughty, cheeky, um, annoying and disruptive and rude. Like, is this rooted in misogyny or is it a fundamental lack of understanding when it comes to girls with ADHD? Because I'm an optimist, I'm going to go with the latter. And maybe you personally have never heard people talk like this and maybe you're sceptical, but I and many other women are living proof that girls can be ADHD and that girls miss out on the diagnosis. Boys get diagnosed really early and girls get diagnosed late. I was diagnosed kind of late. I was uh, 13. Uh, And if that doesn't convince you, let's have some stacks and stacks. (laughs) Let's listen to some stats and facts to warm us up and to get get us in the mood. So I did quite a bit of research to obtain these stats and information. Um, but it was interesting that throughout my research, a lot of it was mentioning boys. A lot of the statistics were dominated by male um, statistics, which is a shame because it shows that girls aren't really sort of discussed or recognised um, in the statistical and medical sense. First, according to the Royal Children's Hospital, it is estimated one in 20 children in Australia have ADHD. It is more common in boys than in girls. And according to the Australian Government Institute of Health and Welfare, ADHD was the most common disorder for children, 8.2%. It was also the most common disorder among boys, 11%. Then I looked at my book called The ADHD Book of Lists by Sandra R. Reef. And if you have the chance, look this book up and buy it. It is fantastic for people with ADHD, parents, teachers, literally anyone. It is the most amazing book. I could do an entire segment uh, episode on this book. And she said some really interesting but kind of like upsetting things, obviously. So the first one is, Girls with ADHD often go undiagnosed and untreated because they frequently do not have the typical hyperactive and disruptive symptoms seen in boys that signal a problem and lead to a referral. Girls tend to be teacher pleasers and often put a lot of effort into trying to hide their problems, which is another reason their ADHD is often undetected. Many girls are labelled and written off as being space cadets, ditzy or scattered. The unrecognised struggles of girls with ADHD and their need for proper diagnosis and treatment places them at a high risk for a number of serious negative outcomes. Academic and learning problems, social, behavioural and emotional problems, demoralisation, low self-esteem and more. And I found this one really interesting as well. And it was that many girls don't receive an evaluation for ADHD because parents, teachers and physicians are often unaware that ADHD symptoms manifest differently in girls than in boys. When they are evaluated, often in their preteens and teen years, like me, girls may be misdiagnosed or a coexisting condition, commonly anxiety disorder or depression, may be identified, missing the primary disorder of ADHD that existed first. And she also said, (laughs) sorry, it's just this book is full of such good stuff. It's obviously peer reviewed. It's got, if you want even more stats, the book's got a whole page, a whole section dedicated to it. But I found this point really interesting. Girls being evaluated for ADHD also may have been undiagnosed because the DSM criteria, Diagnostic Statistical Manual, until very recently required that significant symptoms be evident by age seven. We now know that symptoms may emerge later, 
particularly in girls. Fortunately, the new DSM-5 criteria has acknowledged that this later onset of symptoms um, and changed the criteria. So now symptoms must occur by age 12 instead of 7. Fascinating. And also, according to ADHD Australia, in Australia, ADHD is currently underdiagnosed, particularly in girls and in the adult population. I also read a really interesting article from the ADHD Attitude magazine, and it was about ADHD in girls. And they said, Dr. Quinn and Sharon Wiggle, PhD, Associate Clinical Professor of Pediatrics at the University of California at Irvine, surveyed 3,234 people, including members of the general public, adults without ADHD, whose children don't have the condition, parents of children with the condition, teachers and children with ADHD, ages aged to 17, 12 to 17. Among those polled, 85% of the teachers and more than half of the parents and the general public believe that girls with ADHD are more likely to go underdiagnosed, under, undiagnosed. They said that girls are more likely to suffer silently or show fewer symptoms, and four out of ten teachers report more difficulty in recognising ADHD symptoms in girls than in boys. Then, polled parents and teachers also said that among children with ADHD, boys are more likely than girls to exhibit behavioural problems, while girls are often are more often inattentive or struggling with a mood disorder. And they said that the struggle to recognise these symptoms in girls probably results in significant undertreatment. It is not a trivial disorder for them. They are equally in need of professional care. And it's estimated that as many as 50 to 75% of cases of ADHD in girls are missed. That's crazy. And what I found frustrating was that unless, correct me if I'm wrong, and I missed it. There haven't been many studies like that done here in Australia because I think people think that there isn't a need. Already we have people who think that ADHD is overdiagnosed and then there's this camp, which is me, who's saying actually not only is it actually not overdiagnosed, it's underdiagnosed, especially in girls. And I don't want to go on a tangent, but I, I find the statement it's getting overdiagnosed very frustrating because the reason this figures may suggest that a lot of people are getting diagnosed is because now we have the materials and resources to do so. Back in the day when my parents were growing up, growing up children like me were just told that they were naughty and, and bizarre and not normal and they were made to slip through the cracks. We didn't have those resources available and so kids didn't really... They got nothing, whereas now people are more aware and more educated and open-minded that when they see someone struggling, the natural thing to do is to ask them if they need help and diagnose them. So this whole argument of, oh, well, now it's in fashion to be ADHD is so ignorant because it's just another way of saying, I don't believe it's true and it's frustrating that people are getting diagnosed. It's like when you hear people say, oh, well, everyone's gay now. Everyone's becoming gay. no. People just feel more comfortable talking about it. Like you were surrounded by ADHD people growing up. I can tell you that kid at school who was annoying and weird, he was probably ADHD. That girl who was weird and you thought she was annoying, probably autistic. It's just now people are more confident to talk about it. So speaking of being weird and annoying, let's talk about the ADHD symptoms um, in girls. 
But before we do that, I want to make it very clear that, of course, when it comes to any sort of symptoms relating to a neurological disorder or a mental illness, symptoms can cross over. So some of the symptoms of ADHD in girls may be present, um, may be anxiety symptoms as well. So always keep that in mind. And a lot of girls who have ADHD also have anxiety, poor things. So that sucks. Keep that in mind. But these symptoms are very, very commonly shown in girls. But of course, they could be shown in boys at times. So the first one, daydreaming quietly in class. Everyone daydreams, everyone has an imagination, but people with ADHD tend to daydream a lot more to where it's detrimental. They will daydream in class when it is crucial for them to be listening. Maybe the teacher's reading out homework, giving instructions, and that student is just off with the fairies. Next one is feeling anxious or sad, exhibiting silliness or apparent ditziness. So of course, people can be ditzy. We all have our quote unquote blonde moments, but Girls with ADHD tend to show that a lot more. I really don't like the phrase ditzy. I prefer silliness or the inability to recognise when the joke's over. That's that's what I like to call it. Uh, acting shy or inattentive, never could be me. Trouble maintaining friendships. With this one, we also have to recognise that girls, preteen girls and teenage girls go through a phase, you know, due to puberty and hormones that causes them to have friendship issues. It's very normal However, people with ADHD tend to get new friends like they change, you know, their underwear. It's just all the time. And that's either because they don't know how to focus on the friendship. They have to move from one to another because it gets boring or understimulating or their friends find them too annoying and tough to handle. Picking at cuticles or skin, being a perfectionist, talking all the time, even when parents or teachers ask them to stop, frequent crying, even from small disappointments, Constantly interrupting conversations or activities that include their friends. Trouble paying attention. Duh. Having a messy bedroom, desk or backpack. And difficulty finishing assigned work. Please don't use this as a checklist. Don't take notes. But if you, a girl, is sitting here thinking, hmm, some of those things apply to me and you want some peace of mind or have questions, please talk to a medical professional. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, please don't use the Lucy Pod as a diagnostic um, manual and tool. This is to empower and encourage people. And part of the empowerment and encouragement comes from seeking medical advice. I know not everyone has access to that, but if you do, it's possible. And there are also other ways that you can um, get medical help and if you'd like me to do an episode on that I'd love to about the alternatives and my diagnosis story so please let me know if you'd like to hear about that so with those symptoms in mind teachers and educators need to be aware of these I know having two teacher parents that it can be tough when you've got 20 kids in a class to sort of pick and see which kids are exhibiting those but very commonly those symptoms stick out so of course you've got a bunch of kids, but there'll be that one child, that one girl who is talking a lot, crying, getting upset, and, and they'll stand out to you. And when that happens, especially if they're just, you know, a preteen like I was, you know, be nice. I know there can be pains. I was a pain at times, but be nice. Ask them if they need help. Ask their parents if there's anything going on that's making it that they're crying and talking in class. Please do that. 
and just remember that even if you don't think the child's ADHD, those symptoms could be of something else. It could be due to anxiety. It could be, uh, I don't know, it could be a bunch of things. So keep those symptoms in mind. More about symptoms, but in how they relate to me. Uh, that was a terrible introduction to this part, but I have to be honest with all of you, uh, this particular episode and topic is very personal to me, obviously because I'm a girl with ADHD, but because in primary school I did not have a good ride and I was given a really, 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 really hard time because I was not diagnosed until later on. So I went my whole primary school life being undiagnosed and I can tell you I was not as confident and proud of being ADHD um, when I was in primary school because I didn't know and because I was constantly told that I was terrible um, by certain teachers. If you told me in you know grade five or six or even grade three that I would have this podcast, I would have laughed at you. I would have seriously laughed in your face. Uh, and before I talk more about my experience and my story, I want to make it clear that this isn't a massive venting and bashing. I'm only talking about my experiences and to bash my primary school, but this is to inform current, future or aspiring educators on what not to do when they see a female student struggling with ADHD. For some background, I was diagnosed with ADHD in August 2014 and I had no other diagnosis up until then, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but my parents and high school teachers were pretty sure that I was... Uh, ADHD. I'm not being biased or remembering things wrong. I don't have false memories, but I know that I was not a bad kid at school in the sense that I wasn't aggressive, violent, rude. Uh, I didn't swear at teachers and talk back. I didn't hit them. I was just a really disruptive child. I would get up from my seat and I'd wander around, chat to my classmates while they were doing their work. I'd talk while the teacher was talking. I didn't respond well to naughty chairs. I'd get up from them and I would just forget to do things. And although this behaviour isn't necessarily okay because it's disruptive to me and my classmates, it's far from insolent and cause for what happened to me. So some people may know this. People who are listening who went to my primary school who were in my class, you may or may not remember this. I don't expect you to, but I do. Uh, I, for two years from grade three to four, I was made to sit all the way at the back of the class by myself on a table. We had really, really big classrooms in primary school and the middle portion of the classroom was where the whiteboard was. It was where all the tables were, where people would sit together. I was all the way at the end at the back by myself and I was not allowed to interact with my classmates unless it was recess or lunchtime. So when people were doing partnered work and group work, I would have to do it by myself or there would be an occasion where a student would come and sit to me, but I was never allowed to be there uh, because I was naughty and that's they believed that that was the only way to um, keep me focused. And obviously it didn't because I was humiliated and upset and scared about sitting by myself and I didn't understand. I didn't understand how it was meant to help. My teachers, um, and when I say teachers, I'm talking about a specific portion of my primary school teachers that I had, uh, genuinely believed that I chose to be distracted and to not understand maths and to have motor difficulties, uh, fine motor skill difficulties. 
they could simply not grasp the fact that I had attention issues, auditory processing issues and dyscalculia. They, they didn't want to know. They did not want to know. Uh, and I, I found this very strange because looking back, I had a couple of peers who were autistic and dyslexic and they had a lot of help and empathy. And so they should have. They were never told off for exhibiting their traits or showing that they had difficulties. They were, even I remember there was a student in our class who had very, very sort of disruptive tics that obviously they couldn't help. And there were a few times where, you know, 10 year olds and 12 year olds can be mean. And we would say, oh, he's being really annoying. And the teacher would say that he couldn't help it and we, and we shouldn't give him a hard time, which is fair. But then when it came to me, showing my ADHD traits and my neurodiverse traits, I was told off. I was told that I was naughty, bossy and unlikable. So it was almost as if they understood autism, they understood dyslexia, that was okay for them. And funnily enough, the two students that had these um, were both boys. But then when it came to me, being a girl who was not quiet and meek and a suck up, I, I, was, I, was, I was seen as the devil child, so much so that in order to make me and my parents feel so bad about me and my behaviour and, and let me know how terrible I was, they had me sit down. Now, I don't remember if they were a counsellor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but they made me sit down with some sort of figure, some sort of person one day who interviewed me it was very, very Godfather-esque. It was in this old moldy room with like a light swinging, trying to add in some sound effects here. And she sat there with her big eyes and she was taking notes and interrogating me on my behavior. And I think I was about 10 at the time. And one of the questions she asked me was, instead of saying, do you have trouble maintaining friendships? She went the less subtle route and said, why do you think you don't have any friends and no one likes you? <laughs> Um, to which I said, I didn't know that. And if people don't like me, I don't really mind. And that was her cue to then write a really, really interesting diagnosis and observation. And basically her conclusion was that I had severe um, issues at a severe social and learning disability and that I was just yet yeah, poorly behaved. And of course, my teachers who were ill-equipped to deal with me used that as a crutch to be mean. Uh, yeah, which is not what you do. Um, it doesn't look good, uh, doing that. I, I don't know how else to put it without, yeah, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's very nice. I don't think that's a group positive thing to do. It, it feels, it feels a bit catty. It feels a bit Real Housewives calling someone in, reading them incorrectly, and then using that read to sort of make them feel bad. And as much as I was a very resilient kid and I still am, it it sort of played on my mind because I remember I would write in my diary after days at school, I would say, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe my teachers are right. Maybe I have this thing that just makes me misbehave or maybe I'm just dumb. 
I was so just like, why are there not other girls who are behaving like me? It means that there's something wrong. I should not be like this. When in reality, all I needed to hear was, hey, Lucy, you're a girl and you're ADHD and that's okay. And that's why you're a little bit different. And here are some tools. But I didn't get that in primary school. And as much as I was angry at the time with my teachers and still am disappointed in them, I'm going to be the bigger person because they weren't and they aren't. And I'm going to put it down to the fact that they were unaware. They didn't know this. They aren't aware. But this is why we have organisations like the ADHD Foundation. This is why I have the Lucy Pod. And it's to make sure that other amazing teachers can be even more amazing and equipped and professional to deal with students. Because then when I went to high school, I had an amazing experience and my teachers were amazing with helping me. Once they knew about my diagnosis, they were amazing. If there are any of my high school teachers listening to this, the ones that I had, who I love, you know who you are. Thank you for being amazing. You knew that, yeah, I had ADHD and I'm a girl and that's that's okay. So thank you so much for being so amazing. Now, let's talk about how you can be amazing. So here are some things based on my experiences for starters and then we'll talk about more sort of what the professionals recommend but here are some things that help me in high school that might help your students or people the first important thing is having my school be aware of my diagnosis if you are diagnosed with ADHD and you need help at school it's probably in your best interests to let your school know it made it easier for them to understand my needs and what I might find difficult and Although schools are all different, if you make your school aware of your diagnosis by providing a report, you know, a medical report, you may be entitled to some accommodations. I was entitled to rest breaks during tests and exams, as well as extra time um, during tests and exams. When it came to my dyscalculia uh, diagnosis, which is dyslexia but in maths, my school actually created a modified maths examination and gave me even more extra time in maths exams. And I was also not marked in my math exams, which was amazing. So uh, teachers, when I'm assuming when a student discloses their diagnosis, they obviously need to consult with people. But when you're told, hey, this student has ADHD, here's what you need to do to help them, make sure that you do those things. Uh, my high school definitely did, and I'm sure most high schools will do the same. Number two, having teachers write down the homework tasks for me or email them to me so I wouldn't have to remember them um, or have to write them down and I wouldn't lose them. They would give me the chance to see them after class if I struggled or have an extra lesson during recess and lunch, which is very kind because not all teachers want to spend time looking after students after class. They've got other things to do. Uh, writing things on the board at Providing me with typed and written notes of what was discussed in class was so helpful. And just having teachers who were clearly trained in how to deal with students who were neurotypical. I know not every school has access to this sort of training. Um, and it, honestly, this sort of training should be for free because it's important. But just having teachers who were so professional and aware made it so easy that they followed the rules. And when it comes to what help, what could help students um, at university and what helps me is receiving extensions for assignments and having note takers. I really struggle with writing notes, 
taking notes and I have academic support workers who, while I am in the lecture or watching the lecture, they will watch it as well or attend it as well and take the notes for me so that if I miss something or I didn't take my notes properly, I can look at theirs and use theirs to analyse and highlight. Now, based on some other research um, and some of the research I did in the ADHD book of lists, they suggest that for teachers, when you see a student struggling and displaying uncommon traits, you should automatically attempt to deal with those behaviours, which is obvious. If you saw a student choking, you wouldn't sit there and just watch them. You would go over and help. So when you see a student is not like the other kids, help them. Communicate kindly and with compassion to parents about their child's issues. So you wouldn't just ring the parents and say, hey, your kid's really weird, go get them checked. You would say, hey, I'm worried about your child. Is there something going on? What can we do to help? If advised and discussed, you should consult with student support staff and create a plan that will help the student. And number four, which was when it comes to girls, your, your students who have ADHD, girls, don't tell them that they're being bossy, overbearing or that they don't have friends. If they are speaking while you're speaking or they're doing disruptive things, you need to discipline them, obviously. You can't just let kids do that. But there's ways to do it. Uh, you know, if a student is speaking while you're speaking, it's important, you know, say to them, hey, it's important that when I'm speaking, people are not speaking. Otherwise, it will make it hard for you to understand what's happening or what you need to do. Girls, especially preteen girls with ADHD, are going to be a lot more receptive to that approach instead of saying stop being rude and annoying. It'll make them shut down and then they won't want to listen to you. It never, ever hurts for the first point of call to be calm and nice. And also be careful when speculating if a kid has issues. It's not okay to drag them into a secluded room and have them talk to a random person about their issues and have conclude that it's a severe mental disorder. So like I said before, make sure that when you see a student struggling, you talk to the parents, you talk to the relevant staff and you, and you go from there. Obviously, not every teacher can be the same, but I want to give a special shout out to a teacher I had in grade two who was amazing and who employed some of these techniques. She knew that I was a little different. She never said anything like she's ADHD, but she knew. And instead of making me sit outside or by myself or yelling at me, she found ways to make the class and the environment more ADHD friendly. So when we were doing writing tasks at our desks that made me fidget and move around, she knew that I wanted to sit down and write because I, my strength was in writing. She would have me go into another section of the classroom where the computers were. She'd give me headphones. She'd say, listen to any music you need. And I want you to do the exercise here. After 30 minutes, I'm going to come and tap you on the shoulder and you can walk around a bit. And then I want you to sit back down and keep doing your work. If you need a break, you come and tell me and I'll let you walk around. And while some people might think, well, what's, what's the big deal? For me, that's a big deal. Talking about it makes me smile. That was the best thing she could have done. When I was having trouble with maths, instead of yelling at me or just letting me drown, she would come and sit next to me and obviously not every teacher can do this and she'd walk me through it. She'd re-explain it to me and walk me through it and she'd have me re-explain it back to her. 
these little things make a huge difference because in that class then I didn't show that many traits I wasn't struggling as much whereas then when I went into grade three and four and I was being treated in that way my traits were exacerbated because the environment was not ADHD friendly it was not good for me it was not a was not a good space so she's amazing if she's listening you know who you are uh you're a legend and if there could be more teachers like that out there which there are uh the world will be a better place for us girls with ADHD no but really um the reason this topic is important, it's not only because it, it's something that I relate to, it's because if girls aren't given the right support and aren't encouraged to get diagnosed, they will slip through the cracks. And kids with ADHD, are f- 14% of children with ADHD um, fail NAP plan, fail major tests, fail assignments and aren't given the proper help. And that's a big, um, that's a big issue in Australia uh, children struggling and of course we could go into a whole discussion about how the education system here is not ADHD friendly and how it's just not friendly to anyone the competitive VCE system but we really need to recognize that not only are kids with ADHD having to just deal with being ADHD because to be fair it can be very tough they're also having to deal with the added fact that things that are easy for other people like education and excelling in life is made difficult for them. There needs to be more things put in place. Uh, and I'm very lucky. I go to a university where I get special consideration and, and ongoing support. And if you would actually like me to make another, a, video, a video, if you'd like me to do a podcast about little advice video, a little advice podcast about how to get special consideration at uni, let me know. I think I might actually just do that. But I'm very lucky that I have that because that allows me to excel in my education just like everyone else but that's just me there are currently so many undiagnosed girls with ADHD and it can be hard to get diagnosed I was kind of lucky it was kind of difficult for my parents to find someone but when they did they did but it can be very expensive and time consuming but I think that once we start recognizing hear me out I might be wrong we can talk about it, but once we start recognizing and being aware that girls are ADHD and reassuring them and their parents that it's going to be okay and giving them help, it'll be so much easier for them to get diagnosed, for them to find tools. I don't know. I just think, I just think awareness helps. A lot of people roll their eyes and say, oh, well, how much awareness can you spread? Awareness doesn't hurt anybody. And I hope that even if there's just one person listening to this who goes, oh my God, yeah, you know what? I'm aware now. I, my awareness has been raised and they go into their classroom tomorrow and pay attention to the students who are struggling and they offer them help. That's a massive step. That's a massive step. I'm not asking for a revolution. I'm just asking for, for girls to not be left out because already girls are left out, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, social, political and economic rights. And we could get into a whole discussion about that. But they're also left behind when it comes to mental health and diagnosis. Why? Why? That's the central question. Why? So keeping all of this in mind, 
I want to finish on a um, a positive note. And I'm trying to think of what that might be because there's nothing much that's really positive today because unfortunately Australia is in a one-week lockdown. It's the 28th today and, yeah, we're in a bit of a lockdown, so I don't know what the positive thought might be. Oh, I have one. It might be a little ADHD and not relevant. Take this seven-day lockdown to reflect. <laughs> That's a positive note. This seven-day lockdown will allow you to reflect on what we've talked about. It'll let you commune with your thoughts and your feelings. How about that? I think that sounds nice. I think that's a nice <laughs> way to end this. No, no. I, I, am, I am facetious and I joke and I jest. What I would like to finish on is that if you are a young girl who thinks she might be ADHD, talk to a trusted adult about it and remember that I'll be your big sister and I'll give you advice. Parents of children with ADHD, don't stress. Especially parents of girls with ADHD, do not stress. Self-promo here, if you want to hear what it's like, go listen to Now Tie Your Laces, an episode with my dad where we talk about dealing with me and being ADHD. But don't stress. You are so lucky that there are so many things available to help you and your child. And on that note, I think we can finish. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Lucy Pod. Do not forget to follow, share and like my social media platforms, which are everywhere on Facebook, Instagram and WordPress at The Lucy Pod. I look forward to hearing your feedback and questions and comments and I'm very excited to do another episode and talk to you. I still don't have a routine set, but I'll get into it. I'll figure it out. Stay safe during this lockdown. Behave yourselves. Wear your masks. Do the right thing. And be wonderful because your brain's amazing. And yeah, all that corny stuff. See you later.